You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Kelsey Charles and Megan Murray here with Girls Talking Boys. Hello. Guess who's back? Back, back. Back again. Dent, dent. Kelsey's back. Tell a friend. Guess who's back? Guess, Guess who's back? back? Guess who's back? Yo, I am loving this. I'm going to go on vacation more often. We vibing. We are. Like, Yeah, uh, I think this is the longest we had been apart this since March. So uh, Genuinely. Yeah. I like, You walked in and I was like, I don't even re- recognize did you, you. Did you miss me? <laughs> Hello, it's me. <laughs> Just, this is a musical Monday. Thanks for recovering for me on that one because I like that was like really off in terms of the notes. It's okay. I got you. You guys, your ears are probably bleeding, but it's fine. Um, yeah, so I obviously was not on the show last week and I apologize for that, you guys. She was out being Exploradora. Exploradora. Um, if you didn't see me on the Grom. Um, <laughs> if you don't follow her on the gram, you should. I'm at Kelsey underscore Charles 22. That's the plug. Yeah, but uh, I ended up in an Airbnb that did not have Wi-Fi. So good times on that front. And Makes it a little hard to record a podcast. It does. And the, <laughs> like the guy was like, he was like, well, you know, maybe you should try unplugging it and plugging it back in again. I'm like, yeah, bro. Uh, thank you. I, I would, Can we do that with 2020? Like, is that how everything works? Honestly, I was like, you know, I appreciate you telling me the the easiest thing ever, but maybe you could just get actual Wi-Fi that works. Well, it's okay because RJ was kind enough to take over and have some girl talk with me. We uh, we talked a little challenge, a little Big Brother, as always, a little emo music from, from back in the day. So basically, I wasn't missed is what you're saying. No, we missed you. Okay. Well, <laughs> um, I did see that he had a really poor take on New Girl, which... As always. Listen, uh, here's the thing, RJ. I'm going to at you real quick. If you're going to come at, at, on our show and fill in for me, don't bring your trash takes. Like, the disrespect of Nick Miller was just atrocious. The, the mic is only to be shared with people that are aligned with us in our universe. Yeah. I appreciated someone. I'm sorry. I don't remember the uh, handle, but he appreciated the Winnie the Bish. I was like, I know there's people out here. <laughs> Winnie, Winnie, Winnie the, the Bish. Bish. I know there's people out here that watch that show. We got <laughs> the great debate of Twitter Friday. Yes. And also <laughs> during the day, like genuinely go ahead. Like I said this on Twitter, like I said this on Twitter, take that L RJ and he had put it one person that agreed with him <laughs> genuinely and go ahead and put that right on the shelf with your burger dog takes like if you're going to come in here and tell me that a burger dog is how I should be living my life you have no right to tell me any other ways that I should be exercising my humanity in other avenues like if you're going to tell me a burger dog is amazing like I might kind of be like oh that that could be a thing like yeah. It's basically a burger, but just in a different form. Yeah. But the way that you take photos of it just makes it look <laughs> disgusting. Huh? Huh. <laughs> no, sir. The execution is poor. You're you're dangerously close to encroaching on David Hellman's poor food take territory with with that nonsense. I just need to let yeah. you know this. You've been warned. <laughs> you have been warned. Look at me just like outing my boss. I'm like, hey, RJ, suck it. <laughs> well, <laughs> Thanks for covering me on the show. Also, like I just have to, while I'm, while we're uh, <laughs> roasting him right now, um, this I was listening to the Ocho this morning and when he said, yeah, Jamal Adams is riding around in a Mercedes Jeep. I was like, bruh, that's a G-Wagon. <laughs> Here's the thing. I don't know anything about cars, but I know what a G-Wagon is. <laughs> a Mercedes Jeep. 
that doesn't exist. I was cackling. That actually though, someone asked me that question yesterday. They were like, "What's your dream car if money didn't matter?" And I was like, "Definitely a G wagon." Yeah. Like a dark, dark gray G wagon. I would look so good in one of those. I'm still like uh, wanting a Range Rover. Yeah. You know, if I could. I just feel like that's good that people have Range Rovers because they're such trash vehicles that you have to have money to upkeep them. So. Damn. Just saying. <laughs> Wasn't expecting that one. Good morning. <laughs> I still I don't even one. know if you need coffee anymore. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're like, maybe you don't need the caffeine. Um, so I just need to turn her up a little bit. Honestly, I just, it's, you know, goes one day without talking on the mic and just has all the takes. We yep. back. <laughs> uh, back in business, baby. And good timing, too, because Dak Prescott, the announcement came out of ESPN that he is set to sign the franchise tag today 31.41 million I believe it is mm-hmm. so, um, so yeah we, as we were wondering what was gonna <laughs> be a topic of conversation for today honestly here you like, go like, on a silver platter <laughs> what should we talk about like what hypothetical ridiculousness am I going yeah. to throw your way today which uh, quarantine house are we going in, going into today whatever one Dax in because he's gonna have a good time yeah celebration in, in ensuing in that quarantine house wow my glasses just fell off. <laughs> I'm, we're, we're, we're losing it. Yeah, as if the franchise tag is small potatoes. Like, come on. Yeah. Um, so that is some definite news on the DAC contract front. We all know it's been a topic of conversation this entire offseason. Um, no surprises there. July 15th is the deadline for them to sign a long-term deal. So despite the fact that they did go ahead and look at signing and they are set to sign, supposedly, the franchise tag, it doesn't mean that the – ability to sign and negotiate that long-term deal is fully off the table so um if you guys are on twitter and follow us in our um whatever you want to call it antics you've probably seen us interacting with one joey ikes before and uh he's a fun one (laughs) he's always a blast especially on twitter yeah so this was the first time i got to talk to him or like hear his voice i should say yeah yeah so we brought joey on and he gave us all of his DAC takes. Um, how, hot Take Express, baby. Hot Take Express. How he thinks this whole contract situation is going to pan out. Um, if he thinks a long-term deal is still going to actually happen before the deadline. And and truly, why DAC deserves to get paid. I made him give an elevator pitch. And he not only gave an elevator pitch, he went ahead and locked the Jones family in the elevator so that the deal would get done. So, And if you were worried, I still fit a really bad pun into... Uh, Joey Ikes' name somehow. For the record, I was not worried. <laughs> but I am glad that the brand is still strong. <laughs> it remains strong. So without further ado, Joey Ikes and the Dak Take Station. Let's boogie. Dak Day. I'm going to go ahead and call it Dak Day because things are happening this in the Dak like world. This is like pre-Dak Day. Oh, you're right. You're right. Every right. day is Dak Day. Every day is Dak Day, especially in this off season. But we do have a very special guest joining us today, Joey Ike's Cowboys blogger. Joey, hello. Hi. How are you guys? So good. I'm so glad we finally got to bring you on. Um, I'm just going to tell you this right now. We are ready for all of your Dak takes. Yeah, it's a it's a fun situation if you uh, if you're a guy like me who doesn't talk about this stuff a whole lot anymore. I'm not like you guys where I have to come up with content twice a week that uh, so it revolves around him a lot. But it's fun. It, it's good, and as long as we keep you can keep it light lighthearted and, and not get too worried about it, and it, it's it's good and fun and good conversation. Well, speaking of all of the conversations, obviously again, the Dak Prescott contract negotiation has been a massive storyline this off season and especially in this COVID times when there literally seems like there hasn't been anything else to talk about. And I think that we've all been exhausted just discussing what that deal might look like. And it looks like we've finally gotten at least some semblance of movement um, that will be happening today. So the ESPN report came out that Dak Prescott is set to sign his 31.41 million franchise tag today on Monday and so that is a step in the right direction um he still has till July 15th and to to do these negotiations for a long-term deal but 
there's obviously some special circumstances around maybe why he chose to sign the tender now when he didn't have to until July 15th. So I'd love to kind of jump in and get your initial reactions before I dive in and nerd out on the salary cap, which we know that I am like notorious at this point for doing. <laughs> so, uh, Joey, give us your thoughts. I mean, were you surprised to see him go and sign that, that tag now when he still had time to be negotiating the long-term deal? Yeah, I mean, to a certain extent, yes, just because it, it locks him into having to report to training camp on time and having to, having to do all the stuff that all the players under contract do. But then when you, when you think about, about the context of the specific offseason and the fact that there's not going to be a mini camp or anything like that, that by, by being under contract, he would be forced to show up to. We never really thought he wasn't going to show up for training camp, right? Like everybody was like, hey, he's going to hold out and not play. And nobody really took that seriously um, because that's just, that's not who he is as like a person and as a, as a football player. And, uh, and so all this really changes is the fact that now that the whole virtual off season kind of program is pretty much over, um, there's really no point in him not being under contract. So we might as well sign it and make sure that if anything, if he winds up, like, especially, with, you know, we got the news last week, whether Zeke was happy about it or not. Zeke tested positive for COVID last week, right? And mm -hmm. so if, if Dak somehow winds up with it and his career trajectory changes in a major way because of that, he's now essentially secured his financial future for the rest of his life by signing this contract. Because it's, you know, fully guaranteed injury, sickness, all that kind of stuff doesn't matter at this point once he signs that. So there, there's a lot of pieces as to, to why he would do it now. And there's a lot of people that, that'll, that'll say that, you know, he gave up a ton of leverage by doing this because his only leverage was that he wouldn't play. So he said nobody, nobody really thought that he was going to not play uh, this season because then the Cowboys just turn around and tag him again at the same price and, and away you go. So it wasn't a it, – it, that was never the leverage. The leverage always was coming in, in 2021 and what the number would be then and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like you, Kelsey, I work in finance in my, my real life, so I can nerd out on this stuff all day. So it's, uh, it's, it's fun. Well, don't worry. We'll be doing plenty of that. I'm sure on this show <laughs> <laughs> this day, but Meg, I mean, what about you? I, I think, I think when I saw the news come across my screen, I was a little surprised because I just felt like I, I you know, the timing to me was, was interesting. Well, yeah, I thought the timing was interesting, but then the more you think about it, it's just, it kind of puts a little stopgap on everyone freaking out about him so much. Um, I mean, we're still going to talk about him every day because, you know, Cowboys, but um, it's something, it, I think RJ described it really well on the Ocho this morning. Like, it's kind of like when you invite someone over and you're like, take your shoes off and stay a while. Like you're, you're getting comfortable. Like they kind of open up that line of communication between him and Jerry. That's not so like tense, maybe breaks the tension a little bit sure. between them. So I thought that was a perfect way to put it. Shouts out RJ. But um, I, I completely agree with that. And when you look into it and notice that um, it's not, it doesn't prevent him from getting a deal on the 15th. I think that um, it really is really just cutting the tension. Yeah, I mean, just to give you guys some perspective on the 31.41 franchise tag, uh, Jane Slater went and posted this on her Instagram from NFL Network, so I, I love this perspective. But it actually makes Dak, gives him the highest base salary in the NFL among the 2020 players by nearly $8 million. So he's obviously first in base salary this upcoming season. And then Jimmy G is going to be second with $23.8 million. Trent Brown, 21.25. Derek Carr, 18.9. Man, he's robbing them. Um, <laughs> excuse me on that. Sorry. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Russell Wilson, $18 million. Um, And again, you know, he's coming off his rookie deal. So it's a four-year, $2.7 million deal. Average salary, $680,000 a year. So he's going to have a significant jump. And rightfully so. I mean, it makes total sense. But I think for me... Again, I initially said that I was surprised at the timing because I knew that July 15th was the deadline. But I think that we've been hinting at this throughout the offseason, especially with COVID. But the salary cap is based off of the revenue that the league is generating. And most of the, the revenue that this league generates comes from fans attending football games. And, you know, I, you, know you mentioned with, with some of these players that are getting diagnosed with COVID – that's creating even further uncertainty in my mind as to a how the season will play out if it plays out and b 
you know, if, if they'll even allow anyone other than the team within the facilities of, of, you know, these, these massive events. And so yeah. you can't help but look at how that can impact things long-term. So I really feel like Dak's team was like, listen, CAA comes in and, and they're trying to secure their man's, give him the money, like 31 yeah. million. Let's lock it up. So we make sure that he gets paid this year. And we still, like you mentioned, Meg, we could still be negotiating these next couple of weeks and hopefully they get the long-term deal they want, but they want to assure that he's going to get X amount of dollars, despite what could potentially happen with the salary cap because of, again, all of this uncertainty. Yeah. And Joey, you made a good point about like, what if he, you know, Zeke got COVID or tested positive, I should say, it sounds like he's asymptomatic, but um, we are very aware that Dak and Zeke are working out together a lot. Like it does stand to reason that he would get it. And like, what does that have to do like with his potential contract coming up too? So yeah, there's a lot of factors. There's, <laughs> there totally are. There totally are. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. What do you think Joey, in terms of the timing of the deal, do you feel like that his team, do you kind of agree with what my line of like, my line of thought is, if you will, that, that, because of the salary cap implications from this season that they really are just trying to lock it up and make sure that he's at least taken care of in the short term. And then they can address the long term if they can't reach an agreement by the July 15th deadline or, or where's your head at in terms of the financial implications, you know, negoti negotiating a long-term deal and especially with a franchise quarterback and in the pandemic times, if you will. Oh yeah, for sure. And one, th one thing we've seen, um, with these kind of big Cowboys deals over the last several years is that you'll see Steven and the agent like butt heads for a year and a half on these deals and not make any progress. But then, and I think Steven sort of leans into this and that's why he's okay waiting until the last minute on a lot of these things. And whether that's a good idea or not, you know, there's a whole nother conversation, but eventually it happened with DeMarcus Lawrence. It happened with Amari Cooper. It happened with all these guys where these guys, A, just want to play football, and B, they just want to be Dallas Cowboys. And so usually right towards the end, whenever the deadline gets real close, the player himself, not necessarily the agent, but the player himself will sort of balk a little bit and will kind of say, like, okay, let's just get this thing done. Like, I'm tired of this. Let's just do it. You know, we, we saw DeMarcus Lawrence wind up on a conference call with his agent and Stephen Jones, and, uh, and his agent was texting him while they were on the call, like, tell him to trade you if they won't give you what you want. And DeMarcus <laughs> basically told him, no, I don't want to be, I don't want to be traded. Like I want to get this deal done, get it done. And like a week later, the deal was done and he's having surgery and away we go into the, into the season. And so like, you almost wonder if this is sort of some of that where Dak is just like, look, I've got this, there's this COVID thing out there. We don't know what the salary cap's going to look like in the future. Like this 31 million, I mean, and he's, He's already wealthy, you know, Kelsey, you as, as well as anybody understands the financial implications of all the, you know, the Oikos deal and the, all the other stuff that he's got out there. Um, and so, so he's already, in terms of the general population, what most people would consider to be like set for life with generational wealth. But a $31 million payout in one season is a whole nother level of, <laughs> of, of generational wealth and setting his, his family up for life and all that kind of stuff. And, and coming off losing his brother and, you know, all the other things that are going on in his, in his personal life and, and then having his best friend test positive for COVID like we talked about. I'm sure that – or I'm, I would not be surprised if there was a component of it that's just like, you know what, I just want this thing to be over. I'm going to sign the tag. Let's go get this long-term deal done um, so that we don't have to worry about what the salary cap looks like in 2021 and whether that impacts my contract or not because I'll already be locked up to the contract they can handle the cap stuff however they need to within the contract. Uh, but I know I'm going to be here for the next four or five years and, and away we go. And so I think there's definitely some of that. And one of the things that's interesting is there's a lot of talk about the 2021 cap and what that looks like. And I, I think back to, and it's funny because we're in the first couple of years of the new CBA and I'll ramble about this stuff all day. I'll nerd out about this stuff all day. So just, Repeat, just stop me. Both. <laughs> and I yeah. So <laughs> So like, so the, so they, this happened in the first couple of years of the last CBA too, where they adjusted the percentages of what the players payout was versus the owners and the share of revenue and everything. And when they did that, it was going to cause the salary cap to actually drop 
from what it has been in the, the last couple of years of the prior CBA to the new CBA. But neither the players nor the ownership want that to happen because it looks bad for ownership if the, if the salary cap drops because it looks like revenue is dropping for the business and it makes like signing a long-term TV deal more risky for CBS or Fox or whoever to lock in these guaranteed, this guaranteed money into the NFL when, the, when maybe the status of the league is more in question. So it makes the league look better if the cap keeps going up and it helps the GMs and the owners, you know, manage the cap. And it helps the players, obviously, because it's more money going to the players. So what they did is they borrowed money from future caps for the first couple of years of the new CBA so that the, the cap would stay relatively flat or go up just a little bit because they knew that when they got further into the deal, as the TV deals grew and as the, as the growing revenues happened for the league overall, that there would be plenty of money available in the cap to be able to, to be able to essentially pay themselves back. Uh, and so I, I would be shocked personally, if the cap went down at all in 2021, even if it's, even if the, it should be 50 or $60 million per team, I would be shocked if the players and the owners didn't come together and say, like, you know what, let's raise it five or 10 million this year. We know the new TV deals are coming in a couple of years. And instead of getting a $60 million bump in one season from that, let's flatten that out a little bit and, and ease the burden from this COVID thing and, and, and go forward. And, and so like I said, I'd be shocked if we saw the cap drop because of that functionality. And I want to say that it's even in the CBA that the players and the owners are supposed to negotiate in goodwill if there's some sort of a, a dramatic shift in revenue, like what we're sort of projecting and what Forbes is projecting uh, based on the, the implications of this stuff. So like I said, we'll nerd out on this stuff all day. How quickly though, do you feel like they can feasibly, if they were supposed to be negotiating and renegotiating what that looks like because of the financial implications, could, could they actually come to an agreement? Because we're seeing what's happening in the MLB right now, and LOL. Exactly, it's not things are not going well. And yeah, granted, that I think, is a clown. Like that's a circus. Yeah, clowns. Because if you think about it, you know, it's 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 the, it's just business, and the players are going to want to find things that are player friendly, and the teams are going to want to find deals that are team friendly, and you know, for for the teams. It, I was, you know, with the MLB, MLB, they're saying, hey, why don't you just take a prorated salary? And they're like, excuse me. Like, I, it, 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 there's just, and I wonder. the amount of games, too, that they're, like, balking over. Like, it's just wild. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I know you said. Better that, than a soap opera. Exactly. And feasibly, you know, is that functionality even reasonable to consider that the NFL could recreate negotiations like that, but have them go even more smoothly than the MLB is in time for a season to start and in time for them to kind of iron out the details and come to an agreement? Yeah, well, I think the thing is, is that the, the 2020 cap and the 2020 season is locked in already. And so, and that's all based on 2019 revenues. And so, so because of that, the 2020 season is not really in jeopardy in terms of that kind of stuff. It's really the 2021 season that is I wouldn't even say in jeopardy but it's what's the cap going to be how are we getting uh, how are we going to like navigate these waters and all that and and by the time we get to the end of the season and they will have had the whole season really an entire year to to kind of navigate it and see what it's going to look like and put out the cap projections and and this is one of those situations where you could kind of argue that it's this way with baseball too, but that's a, a whole different conversation with the owners and the way they operate and everything. But, um, but it's really mutually beneficial for both sides, especially with the teams, with the, the league going into these new TV deal negotiations. The last thing they want to do is, is look like they're so dependent on the TV money that they can't function like that. The league loses so much money if fans go away um, that they have to get a huge bump in the TV, lose some negotiating leverage with the, the TV networks, which you could, you could say that basically the NFL has all the leverage in the world because it's the only show that anybody watches live anymore. But, but, um, <laughs> but you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's when, when like eight of the top 10 TV shows in a whole year are NFL games, like, the networks have zero leverage in terms of, like it's the NFL basically can go to them and name their price because the only way the networks are getting live viewing uh, that doesn't involve a bunch of fast forwarding through ads and all that kind of stuff is 
if you're watching an NFL game live. And that's so they're they're basically it's like I said, it's it's the NFL holds all the keys there. So they know the money's coming. It's really easy to do. And these guys have been planning for big bumps in the salary cap for the last really seven or eight years. It's gone up consistently so much every year that you just kind of factor it in when you when you calculate your long-term contracts and when you kind of look at situations two or three years out of, okay, we're going to have to sign these two guys. We think the cap's going to be about this much. We can sign these guys and, and it'll, it'll work out okay two or three years from now because the cap will eat up the, these big costs. Um, and so it, it really just makes sense for both sides because it would, it sucks for the players if, if the cap goes down by 50 million, because that's like a whole middle-class level of player that completely loses their job because the right. superstars are still going to play. They're still going to get paid. And the, the minimum level players are so cheap that they're still going to get to play. It's those guys in the middle that make like five or $6 million a year that each team's just going to cut like seven or eight of those guys and say that say that they'll play with guys on the minimum salary instead of paying guys six or seven million. Uh, and so there's this whole middle class of the league that will lose their jobs and, and take like 90% pay cuts if that happens. That there's there's just I don't see any situation where it winds up falling that way. And, and if they, it, it would just be a huge mistake. Just like this baseball thing is a huge mistake and a huge misstep. It would be a huge mistake for everybody involved. If they don't just, you know, hey, let's let's just smooth the cap growth out over the course of the next five years instead of it growing instead of it growing by fifty million dollars over twenty twenty two and twenty twenty three. Let's smooth it out between now and twenty twenty four, and and everybody benefits and it's it's good for everybody. And by the by the time you get to twenty twenty three or twenty twenty four, you've weathered the whole thing. And the cap is where it would have been anyway, and it and it keeps from having you know the big huge bumps and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and really, that's sort of where Dak's leverage is still left. Because cause if he gets tagged again, then he winds up at $37 million for, for 2021. And so if, if you've been planning on the cap going up $15 million in 2021, and it doesn't go up at all, it stays flat, right? And now all of a sudden your quarterback counts literally 20% of your cap. Like, that's a – that's a monster hit, especially when you have the number of players the Cowboys have on big deals. So the worst case scenario for Dallas is they have to tag him again next year, which is why, especially with this, this step of good faith from Dak, and take off your shoes, as Dak has said, uh, or as RJ said, um, I, uh, I think there's like 0% chance it doesn't get done. I actually love um, that you said that about you know, just with, with the CBA and, and the TV deals, I think that's been one of the most fascinating parts of all of this in, in terms of the negotiations, in my personal opinion. Like, obviously, Dak's team is looking for a contract that's going to be a little bit shorter than what the Cowboys, what we're hearing, the Cowboys were hoping to lock him up for. And that is largely in part due to his agents being cognizant of the fact that, you know, when the new TV deals are signed, the players get a portion of, of that revenue. And so, you know, technically speaking, if they make his contract up before the new TV deal is signed, they can try and leverage an even better contract for him for his third one. Um, so do you feel like with the Cowboys, if they end up not being able to come to a long-term agreement and Dak plays on the tag, do you feel like it almost locks the Cowboys into the type of deal that is more friendly towards Dak than maybe that they were hoping to go into this agreement with? Oh yeah, I think for sure because, like I said, they can't with with knowing that the 2021 cap is most likely not going to grow like we thought it was going to. Um, and and worst case scenario is it's down some. Best case scenario is it's flat or up a few million probably. Um, then like they they can't afford a 20 percent bump in what they're paying the quarterback and be able to continue to. You know, because that's kind of the year I want to say I'm not looking at it right now, but that's sort of the year the big money hits on Zeke's deal and, and things like that. And if they have a long-term deal, even if it's a four-year deal, they still have the the little mechanisms and levers that they can pull to control the cap cost and everything that they'll uh, that they lose if he plays on the tag, and, and especially if he plays on the tag two years in a row, and then we we start sort of start to worry about entering Kirk Cousins territory and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You like that? I don't like yeah, that. Yeah, no, no, not at all. So basically, you know, I know we talked about this and the fact that maybe because the offseason programming didn't happen how it would have initially if we weren't in the middle of a pandemic, that Dak doesn't have as much leverage as maybe he would have in other times. 
but maybe he actually really does have the leverage that you just mentioned that, you know, when they do exercise the right to tag him, then it kind of starts to push the Cowboys further and further into the corner where they're like, Hey, listen, like if you want Dak on your team, if you want him to be your franchise guy, you're going to have to kind of maybe take more steps in his direction versus him having to meet you in the middle as much as you thought too. Not to mention the fact that, you know, there's, there's a, who are we talking to talking about how like there's the Titans of the quarterback of this, of this class are kind of Charles McDonald. Yeah, it was, it was. And I thought that was a great point too, because you know, everyone likes to talk about how Dak is not as good as, as Russell Wilson or, or, you know, as Tom Brady. I'm like, well, Tom Brady is not going to be playing in the league for that much longer. And so I'm that Dak's ready to sign a new deal. He's going to be not just one of the top half in the quarterback class, but in the top tier. So he could, if the Cowboys don't want to give him what he wants, he could, in essence, if you want, really want to think about it, go somewhere else because if, unless they have some rock star quarterbacks, I mean, you know, Clemson's going to be able to submit one to the league. It'll be pretty all right, but um, we won't Hope talk he about gets it. A haircut. Um, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I completely agree. <laughs> if, you, if you don't see Dak as like a, a top quarterback, like you're very short-sighted. You're just like, yeah, and the, one thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And one thing that, that Charles and Justice have talked about several times is that that there was this period of time from like 01 or really about 1998 or so until like 2005 or 2007 and really it kind of ran up to the end of the last CBA so like 09 or 10 but there was that period of time of like 10 10 years or so that was like the golden age of quarterback development in the NFL Um, and it was like you know like Peyton Manning comes in and throws like a gazillion interceptions in his first season and then a couple of years later, he's now the best quarterback in the NFL. And Tom Brady's a sixth-round pick, and he gets picked and comes in, and, you know, and he has his developmental curve. And Ben Roethlisberger gets developed during that period of time. And Phillip Rivers and Drew Brees and all these guys who didn't come into the league as these, like, hugely highly touted guys wind up developing into these top-flight, top-level quarterbacks. And then the CBA changed, and the practice require the practice uh, – rules changed and the amount of time that coaches were able to spend with the quarterbacks changed and it's like all the quarterback development fell off a cliff and has for the last seven eight ten years um since the since the cba and and really like if you if you think about like okay dak and and really there's him and like russell wilson are kind of the only two guys who weren't picked really high that turned into kind of starter like high level starting quarterbacks in the league and so that's to me that's a huge testament to the you know the person and the worker and all that kind of stuff that Dak is and I, like people ask about you know what's Dak's like uh, elite trait like the thing that sets him apart from everybody else um, and to me it's his ability to continually improve like every single year he comes back better than he was the year before you know even if the numbers don't show it every single year because of circumstances around him or the record doesn't show it because the head coach is bad or whatever. Um, Like they, he comes back better than he was the year before in like really specific, measurable, observable ways. And to have a guy who does that in the environment that we live in right now with quarterback development and all that stuff to walk away from that is just like crazy, especially when the right now there's this big amount of quarterbacks that are here because some of the guys from 05 and pre-05 are still around and then there's this kind of infusion of young quarterbacks over the last few years but like Justice and Charles have said like uh, over the course of the next two or three years there's going to be a fall off the cliff of all these old guys who are going to retire and it's going to be just the young guys and some of these young guys aren't as good as we might think they might be or won't prove to be as good as we think they could be and we already know Dak is good. And so the idea of walking away from that is a, it's a pretty crazy and scary idea as a, a football fan. I want to talk about Dak's development and just in kind of, you know, what we look, think that looks like here in a minute. But I did want to ask you all, how do you think and what do you think this contract negotiation would look like if we weren't in a pandemic? How much different do you think it would be? You know, obviously, again, the prospect of holding out and especially with a coaching change, I think is going to be a lot more impactful in the offseason with a star quarterback. But the fact that most of it's been held virtual and it's kind of 
all over the place anyways. I wonder if he didn't have as much leverage as maybe he would have being, you know, in other times. Where's your head at with that? I mean, for me, I don't think it's that much different. I think that we would have heard, as funny as, as much as we talked about it, we would have heard and talked a lot more about it because for the whole month of May and the first couple of weeks of June would have been OTAs and minicamp, and he would not have been there, right? And he hadn't signed the tag yet until today probably, so he wouldn't have even been at the mandatory minicamp. All of the players would have been getting asked about it after practice, and the, Mike McCarthy would have done, you know, so many more press availabilities than he's done, and, and it would have just been a constant storyline into the facility too, from the media to the team, as opposed to just being something that we argue about on Twitter all the time. We would have been doing that anyway, and but but now the players haven't had to deal with that. And, and you know, knowing, knowing Dak and the Cowboys, I would not be surprised if Dak showed up for some of that virtual stuff um, on the condition that they didn't let it out that he was there. You know, right? you think about the way McCarthy answered the questions and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, no, I that, totally that he agree. Might, yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. Like, I totally agree. I, I'm – I people are saying like he's distanced himself from the team but I'm not sure we're all distant from each other yeah like this is that is the time that we're in I'm not sure I completely buy the narrative if that if that narrative even exists that Dak hasn't been associating himself with the team like I just don't think that's his style he's literally been working out with people yeah like that just doesn't feel like him at all even when he's going through a negotiation and like he's just such a team guy oh yeah that in with the transition with everything all the circumstances like I could I just I feel like he feels like it's his responsibility and he's so dedicated even when he doesn't have a full-blown contract locked up to be a leader in that room and helping this team kind of take it to the next level and and fully move into this new era under McCarthy yeah and, and it's in his best interest both financially and as a player to be around for some of it and to be getting as much information as he can, because if he goes out and plays on the tag this year and doesn't have a good year, then it changes the whole, like he's going to gamble on himself. So why not put himself in a position to, to give himself the best chance to have really good outcomes by being as prepared as possible, uh, which nobody's going to be as prepared as normal going into this year, but Mm -hmm. to, to sit out all this virtual stuff and all that kind of stuff, um, and, or to not look at the playbook that they sent him and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I, I don't see that. It just doesn't seem like, and I don't know Dak, you know, I, Dak wouldn't know me from Adam, but, but it just doesn't seem like at least what he puts out there is the kind of person he is. And I believe him to be a genuine person. Doesn't, it doesn't strike me as the kind of person that he would be to do that. So. No, I totally agree. And I think the whole concept of a gambling on yourself, I think he does that regularly. And I think that's why he's yeah, great. Absolutely. I think that's his mentality. He, there's not an option to lose. And he's kind of got this chip on his shoulder where he's like, listen, like you're not going to draft me high. Like I'm not going to come into the league as this touted, you know, star in the making. And I'm okay with that because I'm going to work my ass off and prove to you that I am worthy and I am worthy to be your quarterback for a long time and lead this team for a long time. And I think he's done just that and he will continue to do so. So yeah, I mean, I'm totally with you. I totally agree. And that's, I think, you know, despite the fact that obviously he's talented on the field, I feel like he also carries a lot of these intangibles where, you know, we, we have to give credit. We have to give credit to those because you know, if you don't, it's great if you're accurate and whatever else, but you know, you hear some, you hear some talk and I'm not going to throw shade at um, the, the green team within our division, but I'm going to do it anyways. <laughs> they don't have the never. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> that's right. I mean, listen, we can't help they keep, you know, they keep showing us why they're not great. But, you know, you've heard storylines like that coming out of Philadelphia where, you know, they just, they're not sure that there's like a full chemistry. You've never heard that from Dak, ever, you know? And you've got greats like future Hall of Famers with Jason Witten coming in here and being able to make the connection with him automatically. You know, again, I just pay the man. I and I talk about paying him, do you feel like realistically they're going to get a deal done with him long-term before July 15th? What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I think definitely so. I, I think that, like I, like I was talking about earlier, this is one of those rare situations where everybody's interest lines up with having that deal done by July 15th. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it just, it's been one of those situations where up until, you know, this next three week period of time, there was really no reason to, to have to force it to happen until this July 15th. And so, you know, even right up before free agency, you know, there's, there's the, the thought that, Hey, if you get this done, he doesn't count on your salary cap as much and you can do more in free agency and all that kind of stuff, but they weren't going to do that. They're not ever going to spin to the very tip top of the cap in free agency anyway so it doesn't affect them at all and they they you know did more in free agency than they typically do and and we're we're able to do it with the them accounting for the quarterback at 31 million and so that wasn't really going to be the incentive but the incentive is to have it done by the in time for training camp and, and be ready to go into the season and it not be a storyline anymore um and, and to not have to go through this whole thing again in 12 more months, which I don't think anybody involved wants to do. And uh, so, yes, I think it gets done. And I think that there will be some people in the world that are shocked and appalled at what the numbers wind up looking like uh, and that, that it will be, uh, but it will be justified in, in every sense of the word and, and he will earn every penny of it. But yet again, guys, I will die on this hill and repeat myself. Not like I already repeat myself enough, <laughs> but it's not about it's better <laughs> than ex-quarterback over here who makes less than him. That is not how these contracts work. It is literally an economics issue. When some quarterback goes in and sets the market, then the next quarterback who's set to get paid is going to do the same thing. If you have like half his salt, then yeah, that's how it happens. And whatever, like get your money. That's my favorite song. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> so how do you feel like joey that with mccarthy coming in obviously you know he's had some success with quarterbacks at least let's say on the field um we know that off the field maybe <laughs> they didn't have the best uh relationship wow that was really weird sorry <laughs> um what do you think the development of Dak under McCarthy will look like. Do you do you have any thoughts on that? I, mean, I think it's I think it's going to be a really great pairing because as we know and as our friends uh, our our analytics friends have shown us, Mike McCarthy did nothing wrong, and uh, and and it's free McCarthy. First of all, yes, exactly. There's there there are a lot of people who rumor has it have had some trouble in dealing with Aaron Rodgers as a human. I have being, heard this too. Way. I've heard Danica. I'm I'm sorry. I'm just throwing shade this morning. Ooh. I just <laughs> you need your coffee still. They're not great. I know you said you wanted uh, coffee this morning, but I'd rather hear the tea. Hey. Yes, okay. absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> we digress. But so you were saying you think they're going to be good. You're, they're going to be a good mix together. Why? Oh, I, I think that from a from a you know we can nerd out on on real deep football stuff too, but I won't I won't uh, won't object you guys to that. But I just think that there's there's a synergy in terms of the things that Dak does well as a football player and the things that uh, that Mike McCarthy has historically wanted to do from a scheme standpoint in his offenses, and then you hear the things that he talked about in his propaganda campaign as he was you know. Uh, campaigning to get another job with the Tom Pelissaro and, and Peter King and all that, which was super informative and great. But, um, but there's a lot of stuff that he's talked about that fits Dak really well. And, and in terms of looking at the way Kyle Shanahan runs the ball and how they create passing game off of how they run the ball and, and all of those sorts of things, and not necessarily how often they run it, because, you know, the, the analytics and numbers will tell you that you might not should do that as much as they're doing it, even though they're really good at it. But in how they're doing it, and in a way that um, that one play builds off of another play because they look identical, but then the end result is two different things happening. Uh, and those are really the sorts of things that weren't happening with with the prior uh, regime on offense. It, everything just felt like it was a collection of plays. Like it's like, like, hey, we like this play, and we like this play, and we like this play. So we're going to run all of them, but none of them really seemed like they fit together necessarily. In that. You know, the run game didn't necessarily look like the pass game that didn't necessarily look like the play action game and all that kind of stuff that helps create confusion for defenses. And how many times have we heard over the course of the last, you know, 10 years that the defense knew what we were going to run or that, 
oh yeah, the Cowboys, they're easy to scheme for. We just, you know, you just have to beat them from a talent standpoint and you could beat them really easily um, if you just out execute them because you know exactly what they're going to do. Like we've heard coaches and players make that comment for years. Um, and I don't think that's going to be the case. And, and putting Dak in those positions to have an advantage pre-snap as opposed to being at a disadvantage. Um, we've seen what he can do at a disadvantage. I, I'm very excited to see what he does with an advantage. Sure. I mean, but do you really feel like consistency wise, you know, we talk about how the offense and it was predictable and whatever else, and everyone is making jokes about, and I've asked this question before to several of our guests and I'll ask you as well. You know, everyone says, well, the Jason Garrett offense and they, they laugh about it, but he hasn't been calling plays since like 2012, 13, I mean, consistently, if you will. So how much do you think that, you know, having the same OC this upcoming season is really going to be helpful um, do you feel like McCarthy's going to have more of a hand in it? Do you think it's going to be more collaborative? Like, is that really going to be a turning point in this offense with McCarthy in the door if you still have the same guy technically calling plays? Yeah, well, I think that a lot of the difference is going to come Monday through Saturday in terms of – because, you know, we, you get real mechanical and real deep into how it works, right? Like you go into these coaches offices in a week and I'm sure you've seen this Kelsey, like you go in and there's these big whiteboards and there's plays like not even oh, like yeah. the X's and O's, but there's like play tags up there. And, you know, they're all category categorized into, you know, that we want to run these in the red zone. We want to run these on first and 10. These are our third and longs. These are our second or our two point conversion plays. These are our specials, all that kind of stuff. And then, you just essentially you create a menu and we've all seen the guy, you know, we've, you know, you've seen Scott Linehan with his notebook or, uh, or Andy Reid with his paper and all that kind of stuff. You got Mike Leach with his post-it note, right? With, and so everybody has their, their menu that they create that has Mike the list Leach. of plays that they want. To <laughs> yes. And so, so, so the difference is going to come in. What are the plays that are on the sheet for first and 10? What are the plays that are on the sheet for first and 10 after an, or second and 10? after an incompletion or after a, a run that goes for zero yards. Like, those are going to be the difference. Because when it comes to the play calling part of it, like, some of that is feel and some of that is, you know, is, is sort of being able to feel the flow of the game and stuff. But a lot of it is, is picking the right play off the menu at the right time and having plays that fit together and sequencing them together, like we talked about earlier. Uh, and you add, the, you add that component in with, Maybe there's maybe there's more pass plays than run plays on the first and ten list for the first time in ten years, yeah. and, and if that's the case, if that's the case, then yeah, they're going to run more play action. They're going to be more effective and all that kind of stuff because the plays that they've talked about during the week that the head coach has really emphasized that they want to run that have have the little blue star next to them on the play sheet because it's the the one that the head coach wants to run or whatever. Maybe that's a play action pass instead of a freaking a gap dive right up the middle, like. Uh, and maybe you go into New Orleans with the approach that, hey, we're going to go bombs away at these guys and try to get two scores ahead of them because then we know the, uh, their offense with Teddy Bridgewater won't be able to keep up instead of going in and saying, hey, we can play conservatively and still beat them because they won't have the offense that they would normally have, right? And so it's, it's the approach difference Monday through Saturday, in my opinion at least, and from what you know we've seen play out in history with other teams, that Monday through Saturday difference will show up on Sunday, even if it's the same guy holding the menu, speaking the speaking the words into Dak's ears. Uh, uh, there will be a there will be a difference, at least in my opinion. And maybe people, maybe it will be so noticeable that the layman, the general layman, will be able to detect it, and maybe it won't. But but it will be there Monday through Saturday, and it will it will come to fruition on the field. And it might just be that it comes to fruition through more consistency and we don't necessarily like understand exactly why it's more consistent, but it's in that Monday through Saturday period. Slight tangent. Um, when it, you get into your DAC arguments on Twitter and you're like, yo, this is why he's so great. What play do you like use to make your point? Ooh, that's a good oh man, that's a great question. Way I think it depends on, I, wow. That's a freaking, oh, that's awesome. I like Meg comes out of left field with the fastball. That was great. Uh, yeah, I think that, I think it I think it depends on what the conversation is, right? Like if it's if it's you know he can't make the big throw that you know that throws a guy open that and you know I early in his career like I was critical of Dak not because I didn't think that Dak could play. 
But I, I live in this world where when I evaluate players, a lot of the times I evaluate them against like an ideal scenario of what it's supposed to look like, not necessarily what most quarterbacks look like. And so, you know, people told me I was nitpicky and stuff, and it's true. And you, you've seen Dak improve at things that most people don't improve at, right? Um, and so it's like people say he can't throw guys open, and you show him the fourth down play where he's running to his left and he throws it, and you see the end zone shot. And where he throws it, there's nobody. There's not a single human being on the field in the area that he throws it to. And then all of a sudden, Cole Beasley comes streaking across the back of the end zone and dives and makes a catch to win the game against the Giants a couple of years ago. And there, and then there's the Seattle – The he's not clutch. He doesn't come up big in big moments. And you show him the Seattle quarterback draw where he does the flip on third – whatever it was, third and eight or third and 12, does the flip at the goal line and almost scores a touchdown to win the Seattle game in the playoffs. That one scared me a little with Dak is – yeah. <laughs> yes. I mean, that was terrifying, right? You never want to see your quarterback flipped upside down. But well, like, I think you're more freaking... used to Tony Romo. If that happened to him, like we would be scared. And the season's then... over, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And so uh, there's just the thing about that question, and why it's such a great question is there's so many because in his like he's he's been playing for four years. He's played a ton of games now because he's the first guy to ever start all the games. <laughs> but um, but. <laughs> there's so many plays that that show different components of his game and it's evolved so much through his career that it really, it depends on what you're talking about specifically. There's, you know, there's the thing with there, there's always a tweet, right? There's always a play for that. Like there's always a play or a statistic or something like that, that if somebody wants to say he's not good at X, Y, or Z, there's play A, B, or C that proves them wrong. And it's, it's, it's cool to be on the right side of history in that situation, uh, as opposed to being being the guy who who wants to who wants to tell people tell the numbers how they'll evaluate something. All right, so situational here. You're at the star, and oh. you have your mask on, and you <laughs> get course. into an elevator. <laughs> it's Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones, and you literally you you literally have to make literally have to make an elevator pitch to them about why they need to sign Dak before July 15th. Go. Oh, I'd pull the emergency switch where the, where the <laughs> elevator You're like, we're, like, we're locked in sit here. there for 30 minutes. You're not going. Yeah, you'd, you'd, have, you'd have the police at the star because they wouldn't be able to find Jerry and Steven for 30 minutes <laughs> while I, while I yelled at them about that. But, you. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I mean, really, it just comes down to the fact that, like, in an era where quarterbacks – we, they really just don't develop. Like usually you come into the league and you're a certain level of player and you may improve from that a little bit, or you may devolve from that a little bit, depending on the scenario around you. But, but for the most part, when guys come into the league, they really are who they are, especially at that position. Like you have a guy who has every single year improved himself and has put himself into the conversation in, in four years, he went from – and really it was less than that. But in four years, he went from a fourth-round pick who they didn't even really – they wanted to pick like four quarterbacks before they wound up being sort of forced into picking Dak in the fourth round. Um, that they – he went from that to, um, to a top – you know, depending on who you talk to and how you evaluate, anywhere from a top three to six to eight to ten quarterback in the league in four years. Like – Four years from now, there's no like he could be quarterback one A or one B, right? Like it just it easily. You have a guy who has developed to that level already, and he's still young, and he's still improving, and he's played so much football that like he's only just now reached the point where he's played enough football to like have seen virtually everything another team could throw at him and have all the answers. And so like you saw, you know, Tony Romo talked about in his. Uh, football life or whatever it was that they did on him about how you reach a threshold where you've seen everything and you have an understanding about how the ball comes off your hand and you you reach this point where there's this equilibrium that flips where it doesn't matter what the defense tries to do because you've seen everything you know what they're going to do and you have the physical ability to take advantage of that and Dak is like four years in and he's really just reaching that point and he's already done everything that he's already done. So, like, there's, there's really no ceiling to what he can become. And 
with that, with understanding that, why in the world would you want to even consider starting over? Like you just can't start over when you have this guy who is everything intangibly that you ever would want in a quarterback. He represents your organization like immaculately in terms of public relations and all that kind of stuff. And okay, he has 10 people over at the beginning of, of a pandemic for a dinner party uh, that gets blown out of proportion. But I mean, he really is like exactly what you want in the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. Um, and in terms of football, he's an amazing football player. Why would you ever want to even consider starting over? Like the, the extra year or the extra couple of million dollars or whatever just isn't worth it when you consider what you'd be going back to and the, the probability of what you'd be going back to. Um, you just can't let the fact that you essentially lucked into Tony Romo as an undrafted free agent and lucked into Dak Prescott as a fourth-round pick as your back-to-back franchise quarterbacks and didn't have to go through the wilderness to find the second one, you can't forget the wilderness that was there before the first one and what that looks like from a football standpoint and a financial standpoint and all that kind of stuff. So you're not starting. So I'll... <laughs> <laughs> right. So Andy Dalton is not starting a quarterback. Good. Oh, At least we're on the same page <laughs> on that regard. So – in conclusion, step in the right direction. Happy for Dak that he's at least like shirred up his financials for this upcoming season. But we still are team pay the mans before July 15th. And if not, like if that's what he wants. Maybe he wants to sit out a year and make more money. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say, like, I feel like the the odds not are in out. yeah, the he's odds actually- the odds are in Dak's favor right now. And I'm just excited for my guy to get paid and stay with the the Cowboys and have a star on his helmet forever. All eyes on Dak Day. All oh, eyes on Dak Day. Yes. What what is it like? 17 days or something like that? I don't know. We should have an official that. countdown. Maybe that's what we do. Like it's like a tracker. Yeah. yeah, I want it down by like. Yeah, seven. you should. <laughs> you should get one of those countdown apps on your phone and just post a screenshot every day. Wait. That can be your brand. Like can be part Someone of your brand. Someone do that. Can someone do that, please? Because I'll be totally honest with you. Like, we're going to talk about this, and I'm going to forget. that can be your brand, and we'll retweet you. Yeah, you want to do that? I, I, have too many, I have too many branches in my brand. I can't keep <laughs> up with them enough yet. So, so I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, stick with, I'll stick with what I got, and we'll let somebody else do that, and I'll just retweet it every day. Sure. So just so we're clear, that job opening for the contributor of the time, countdown. the countdown, is available. Uh, we're taking applications now. Joey – it has been so fun catching up with you about Dak's contract. We are obviously very on the same page, and I love that. I have a really bad pun for him. Oh, you do? Yeah. Here we go. I love it. <laughs> Joey, I'm glad that we could have you on the show and know that you are on the right side of history so we don't have to call you Joey Yikes. Oh, wow. Yes. yes. Pay Dak and pay Dak and trade for Jamal Adams. Let's go. Oh. oh, that's a whole nother story. <laughs> I'm not even allowing that to open up right now. Um, Joey, tell the people where they can find you if they do not already follow you and your great takes on Twitter. Yeah, absolutely. I'm on Twitter. It's at Joey Ikes, J-O-E-Y-I-C-K-E-S. And, uh, you know, we're, we'll talk football and anything else you want to talk about there and try to have fun and all that kind of stuff. Awesome. Well, We're so excited and so grateful to have you on the show today. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. If you cannot wait until our next show on Friday, you can find us as well as Joey on the Twitter. I'm at Kelsey underscore Charles and Meg is at Meg Murray with four R's. But make sure you're also subscribed to all the Blog of the Boys podcasts wherever you get your podcasts, whether that's Spotify, 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 (laughs) whatever. Yeah, whatever they're calling it these days. You know, orange, apple, wait, I'm going to, I'm just like, we're tanking. The girl needs some coffee. Literally. It's just, again, like words are hard. Kelsey's and coffee. <laughs> Make sure you're subscribed where you get your podcast. Rate review. It really does help us out. But until next time, we will see you guys soon. But never forget. Joey, do you want to say it? Yeah, Joey, do you want to go ahead and do the honors? No, it's it's too much a part of your brand. I can't take it from you. All it's, right. It's too quintessential Meg. You have to do it. Cowboys forever, Eagles for never. <laughs> Bye guys.
more to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.